Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We're here today with Daniel Rahal, better known as Lol Snake. Lol Snake is not only a DJ known for her hypnotic techno and harder sound, but also the founder of the Berlin-based queer party Weirdos that are getting more and more attention. In this conversation, we speak about Danielle's upbringing, feeling as an outsider, how she finds her own queerness and self-expression in Berlin, her view on the booking politics and what we have to look out for in the scene and much more. I am Amanda and this is Playful Podcast. It's this floating space and like you have these like in, like sort of like rapid like visuals and like everything is a sensory overload it feels like like your heart is like you get a shot of adrenaline when you first do it and then you have like also um so you think like you're gonna die like you're like oh my god like it's so terrifying and you go into this space and like for me I had like synesthesia where like I could like taste sound and <gasps> I could like uh like what is it like even see sound waves uh when I would like try to like sort of oh I opened my eyes for a moment and I could like see the echoes like coming out I was like this is so bizarre. Do you think that you became a better producer by these? Absolutely yeah like I got really obsessed with like high frequencies uh <laughs> it's just really bizarre but like when you do like psychedelics like these these frequencies are like there is like a sound that you hear specifically on like DMT or acid that is just like very uh fine and crisp and like these like little like shining moments like you would hear in like some techno tracks too but like um yeah absolutely using those in my in my work for sure. <laughs> Also super curious about your background because I have no clue about it. It yeah. feels like there's so much to learn about you for many of us. Yeah. Which is super exciting. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, but you grew up in California. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, well, yeah. Like, uh, okay. So like I, yeah, I grew up in a part of Oakland that uh, is uh not necessarily like a uh, wholesome place like I, I grew up in Fruitville uh in Oakland and that was my neighborhood and um my parents uh immigrated to the United States like uh like leaving the war in Iraq and uh so 
this uh, neighborhood was like one of the only places that they could afford to like rent a place. And, um, and uh, it was just kind of a ghetto and had like one of the highest like homicide rates in the country at the time. And so like I spent a lot of my childhood like really being indoors a lot because like I couldn't really play on the streets and like, you, you know, I do have one brother. Yeah. Um, and uh, so like we spent a lot of time together, like at home alone. Um, and uh, yeah, like I had really good memories also. Like we take like sort of like family trips uh you know, over, over to San Francisco. And like, it was really cute in that regard, but like living, living in, in California at the time, like had been really rough. Like also like just sort of like having that like sort of redlining where like you can't actually like go and move into another neighborhood, like as a, uh, a sort of immigrant family, uh, they sort of deny you like, uh, the ability to, uh, leave actually the ghetto <laughs> and, um, what, how do they do that? Uh, well, you just, uh, you show up and, uh, like, I guess, uh, my mother and my mother's in hijab and my father's name is Muhammad and, and, and they go and they try to rent an, a house in a nicer neighborhood so that like, at least like my brother and I could actually go to better schools, um, or even just like to like, sort of like move, move forward in life. Uh, uh, they would just say this uh, place is not available. Like, and this would happen on a repeat uh, for for them, and so the way they went that around makes it makes you feel so unworthy. Yeah, That's yeah, it was uh, pretty challenging. I mean, honestly, like I think that um, this was like one of the biggest problems about like being in the United States is is that feeling of like just uh, like really constantly being othered and constantly like just uh, yeah, not really having. Um, the same rights as people, uh, based on your ethnicity and where, who you are. And, uh, I think that like, you know, my parents like really prioritized uh, my, ed my brother and I's education. And so like, you know, when we lived there, uh, for a long time and, uh, they would, um, like sort of, uh, pay somebody that lived in a nicer neighborhood to use our address so that we go to the better schools in, in, in the state. And, uh, so it was a bit like that. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, but how did your musical journey, because that's, were your parents musical? My parents, my parents were very interested in music. Uh, they, I mean, the Middle Eastern like culture, like they, like they really celebrate this like kind of like folky style of music where it's like, you know, uh, artists like Um Kulthum and like Feirouz where they would just like, you know, my, my parents just like really only listen to, to them. And they were very, really like, you know, having like this very like folky, folky style. But I got my interest in music actually through, uh, being in, uh, the school's band. Like I, uh, picked up clarinet when I was 10 and, um, I was playing. How cute uh, were you? Yeah. Yeah. I was very, very nerdy, very nerdy. Um, and I, uh, yeah. So I started, um, I started that way and like through like middle school and high school, I learned like music theory and got into jazz band, like playing like saxophone. <gasps> you um, saxophone? I did. Yeah. <laughs> for a brief moment in time. It's incredible. Um, and yeah, so that was my start and, you know, like my love for like electronic music really came from actually like MySpace, which is really bizarre, but like it was like the first time where I like felt like I had access to like music from like 
all over all over the world like there was like these different profiles where you can like look based on like the country and like sort of like popularity of a band or like music style and so like through that when I was a teenager like I found so much new music that I got really interested in um and uh yeah so that was uh like a really good moment and yeah like checking out CDs in the local library also like that was amazing and yeah, that's... you found it then on your own. Yeah, yeah, it like was your more electronic music. Did it, or did you have friends who also listened to electronic music, or how did that kind of? Yeah, I did. I did have friends listening to electronic music at the time, but actually, like, it was really different. Like in my in my schools, like people were listening to like more like radio, like radio hits, and like a bit more like on that on that zone. It was like very much like. Uh, like some, like some friends of mine were listening to like more new wave bands and like, uh, like new order and, uh, Depeche Mode. And they, that was like more like sort of like an entry into electronic music, I think also for me, uh, cause we really loved listening to those, uh, those bands. Um, but yeah, it was only really until I moved to the UK that I like really had access to go to, um, uh, more like electronic, uh, music events and, uh, that's when it really started, like oh. the like sort of obsession. That was back in 2010. Uh, when I was in the states, like I like felt like quite alienated. Like I was living in like a very conservative like Muslim household. Um, meanwhile, also going to school and like when I was like a teenager like you know the U.S. had invaded Iraq again and uh that was in 2003 and that made me like very very isolated because um you know I would I was going to school with people that had like siblings in the war and like being like you know like fighting in the war over there and so you know it made me and like also my brother like targets for like a lot of racism and a lot of like hatred and and a lot of islamophobia like i i'm not super religious these days but like i grew up like muslim and you know they would see me like my mother like pick me up from school and she's wearing a hijab and you know I make comments and things like that and so from like a young age like i felt like a very, very like, uh, you know, like people would say like, you know, go back to Iraq, even though I was born in California, you know? Um, and, uh, so from a young age, I really didn't feel like so comfortable, like in my home country, uh, which I, I, uh, which was very sad. Uh, but also, um, at the time, like I was, uh, like throwing myself into like, uh, after school programs, like, uh, like, you know, going to like, uh, do drawing and, uh, music lessons. And, um, that really helped me like escape that feeling. Um, did you find, uh, friends more so friends there then in, or in, like a community, a sense of that there was something behind the surface level that people saw, or, you know, the, or I think, I think it was really, uh, I did have a men like mentors, like my art teachers at the time had been my mentors. Um, so they were sort of like my, like, sort of like, uh, like 
sort of like they would like just listen to like my little what's going on in my life. Like I, I felt like I could talk to them more than I could talk to like my peers or my teachers um, who would often look the other way when it came to like things like racism in class and whatnot. And um, and my parents who uh, bless them, like they uh, would often just uh, tell me like, you know, Danielle, don't do anything about it. Uh, you just have to like move forward. And, you know, there are like so many traps that you can fall into as like a POC and like uh, especially like uh, during this time when you're seen as a terrorist, like you can just you have very little uh, ability to vocalize how you feel and, and explain to you what you were experiencing. Yeah, that is so important to realize, like to be able to deal with the traumas. Yeah, yeah. So did you understand it when you were so young? I didn't understand it. And I also didn't really understand like why I left the States like until like maybe a couple of years after I had been in the UK and I reflected on like my emotions about like how I felt like being in that country. Because to be honest, it's not easy to just like leave uh, home and to really start anew and like to look for something different. But I definitely didn't um, feel comfortable like living in the States. And like I... Um, I really, I really understood why, like afterwards, like that, like I had actually just like been seeking like a sort of refuge from that feeling of alienation. Um, and I think that like that was something that I was looking for in the UK. Um, but I also didn't really find it there. It was only until I moved to Berlin that like I started really like finding that. How, how come you moved to Berlin? Um, so like I had finished my studies in, uh, in the UK and it was like a, sort of feeling of not really wanting to stay in the UK. Like the situation there is like, like a lot of amazing culture, a lot of amazing um, things happening there, but it was just like so many, so many, it's quite a conservative place in the end. Like it's not actually as liberal and free as Berlin. Like a lot of my friends that I would go out with, they now own a house and have a baby and you know, they are operating. They were like nightlife is something that I did when I was in my early 20s and that's it. Um, and so like when I uh, came to Berlin, like for the first time, I immediately like met so many international people, like free thinking, very liberal, uh, like uh, minded people. And like when I was thinking about where I would go, like after like my UK studies, uh, I naturally thought of, about Berlin. And then I came here and I thought I'd give it a try and now so it's like you been traveling here before I did yeah I came here in 2011 for the first time and I was alone for like two weeks and um it was uh winter and like it, I just I ended up having a, a really good time and I, I said to myself like leaving Berlin I was like I, I can't live there it's crazy it's like too dangerous territory you know like it's like too much fun uh and I'm uh, like never gonna get anything done you know um and then uh yeah like uh, three years later I I came over here and was that yeah. the truth that you in the beginning didn't get so much uh done it, there was some truth to it for sure like I had a lot of ambitions like when I came here I was like yeah like I'm gonna just like take a break and then continue my studies like uh in neuroscience and like you know just uh operate uh like as a student here or whatever like or just like thinking about like how to be creative as well as like uh being able to balance my interest in going out and uh experiencing the nightlife uh and then after a few years of that I really uh became very engrossed in like the uh dance music scene here and uh i didn't care about much else i was just like really like in love uh, so the neuroscience studies mm -hmm. 
What is that? Well, I, uh, I, I spent four years in the UK uh, studying neuroscience and that was very grueling. It was uh, something that I had decided on uh, doing because I always like felt like uh, the study of the brain and uh, everything that encaps uh, is is the study of the brain uh, was like the final frontier. And it was like the very um, of like science, I guess. And like we have very little idea about that zone in our bodies and uh, also the um, the thought of consciousness, it was something that I was, you know, dwelling on for so long and obviously there's no answers, but that was something that really drove me to, to study, study, uh, neuroscience when I was young. Uh, so interesting. and I like to say that, uh, in the last years in Berlin, I had been doing some field research. <laughs> um, did you come to Berlin alone? I, or did you have friends here? I did have, I, I did come here alone. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I spent like a lot of, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the clubs and, uh, made friends pretty quickly here and friends that I have even today. And, um, yeah, I really, uh, did you meet them a lot out? I did. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time, like, uh, like just, um, going to like very regularly, like certain parties that like would have regulars and Berghain, for example, I met so many of my close friends there. And it was also like one of those, like one of the spaces that like, I felt like I can like really like let like a lot of like, um, you know, sides of myself like out that I'd like been repressing, um, for so long. Like I had, uh, through like experimentation of substances and whatnot, like an awakening of like, just, um, you know, like what, like what I, what I love doing, like my, like also like a, a sexual awakening and a, um, just like, just, you know, like I would be in, on the dance floor and, you know, I was like, I was like maybe like 30 kilos heavier at the time. And I had always struggled with my body image and my weight. And, you know, it was the first time that I was able to like take off my shirt on the dance floor and like not feel like self-conscious about it. Like I felt like, oh, I'm, I like feel accepted, you know, and like, you know, dancing in Pano, like was just like, you know, with like all these like fabulous people. And like, I felt like, oh, I'm like really like feeling, uh, belonging. Yeah. Belonging somehow. Yeah. And, uh, that was immensely therapeutic for me, I think. Yeah. Wow. Uh, did you also DJ at this time? At this time? No, but it was, uh, it was a time when I was starting my parties and, uh, ah, you started the parties before you started DJ yourself. Uh, yes, exactly. Like <gasps> on like a know. more like in front of audiences, I would play to people like at home, but it wasn't super like professional in that way like it was was it named weirdos then too yeah yeah exactly so how come you started it uh that's a good question um so i had been like partying for a few years in berlin and uh i don't know like through like all of these different events that i would attend and like really be like uh, excited about like i met so many people that um were deep like music lovers but like also like didn't really have like such a platform to like promote themselves or like didn't really have like any like sort of uh ability to uh like play in spaces around the city because you know there's a certain accessibility for that and then when you're a beginner like starting out like there's not really so so much uh unless you're doing it yourself and um so at the time like I remember just like walking 
to my like ceramic class at the time. And like my my friend, like who ran like these parties like uh, called Shameless Limitless in Berlin. And they were like parties and concerts for more DIY spaces. And uh, I was going to those a lot. Like I really loved going to concerts and like the small, cute, like Southern Oikon, like DIY community there. And, um, and uh, so like uh, I, I got a call from him and he was like, hey, Danielle, like I'm out of town. Um, and my friend is coming from Paris. Like, do you want to like, do you want to like do, do a concert? Like, do you want to like start, start a concert, uh, like, and promote it yourself? And I was like, Oh, oh that's a funny question. Like I, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. And then, um, and then, so he like sort of introduced me to, uh, Billy from internet Explorer, which is like this DIY space that doesn't really exist anymore on like Segerstrasse. And, uh, you know, we, we arranged a date, uh, and I asked like for like four friends, like to be like support and they were doing like experimental music and like some, uh, like live performance art and, and whatnot. And, uh, so like, I, I was like, okay, we'll do like split door. Um, I was like also broke as hell, like at this time. And, um, so like the thought of like, sort of, um, putting on an event was like really terrifying. I like was risking Very like a hundred. It was like, it was like a hundred euros like that. I was like risking. And I was like, Oh, like, was this a good idea? I don't know. Um, and I was like really like terrified. How many I'd never years done ago it before. was it? Uh, this was seven years ago. Yeah. Or like six. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And then, uh, the party, the event happened and it was full. It was like uh full with all all the friends and all the people that like I was, you know, meeting in the clubs and, you know, felt like a really nice community moment. And that was very satisfying. And I kind of caught the bug and yeah, like from then on, like I did done like, uh, like several events, like in a month and started different series and whatnot. So uh, you, did you discover your queerness before you started the parties? I, I, I feel like I discovered that, uh, in, in my time in Berlin, it's like very, uh, the focus on the parties is to lift queer people, yeah. female and non-binary. Yeah. That was really through my journey, like in the years before, um, when I've, uh, like when I really had my, like a more awakening moments, like, like my sexual awakening and, and that was really in like the clubs in Berlin, like, uh, like for like the three years that I was here before doing the parties. Um, and I could really like, I identify like, uh, where, like how I identify myself as I do today. Like, I remember also you and I, we were speaking about it uh, when we met the first time that like, sometimes it can be like, oh my God, you can get like social anxiety and you stay at home and you like lock yourself in a little bit and, yeah. and then you are like, it's harder for you. Absolutely. Like, I, I feel like, you know, for me, I actually came from like a very extreme, like sort of zone where I was social, but like never able to really like talk like I was always like social but then like kind of like hanging hanging around and like not really um engaging so much like I was like kind of like in a box uh like yeah I wouldn't talk about myself so much and like I wouldn't talk about things like you know things from the past and like I feel like um I was you know I was in some sort of depression for sure in my like early adult life and uh so then when I moved to Berlin which is like 
the most liberal city I think in in Europe. Like if you imagine, like the, we don't necessarily. I don't get hassled to like, oh, like, oh, uh, like, are you, are you, oh, are you having kids soon? Are you gonna get married? Are you doing this? Like, we have uh, like mature ravers, you know, in our dance floors, and that's yes. normal. Um, mm-hmm. But in other cities, it's not normal, no. not at all. And um, and I think that for me, like being in this environment, like really, like. It was making me able to like, uh, like come out of my shell and like articulate myself and like actually like kind of like drew me out of my depression over the years and like allowed me to like have space to like be like expressing expressing myself and like now I I feel like my um my depression comes and goes of course like middle of February in Berlin like it's hard it's hard work like for sure like I'm constantly like on my google flights and i'm like okay so where are we going like where are we gonna take uh take our like two-week holiday and then never end up doing it in the end uh but it's always like very hard in that time period and especially during the pandemic when we didn't have the clubs and like that community that we can lean on in those times like that was extra hard i always feel it's rougher though when you look back on it then i'm like oh my god i can't do it again and every time i'm in it i'm like it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm like bearing. <laughs> it, but it like feels endless somehow. Like you're like, wow, how many more months? Like I feel like summer was a million miles away. And, and like. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Looking at your in the iPhone memories, you're like... February was sunny this year. <laughs> we were sitting out, we were having beer. It's going to be fine. And then it's February and then it's March and then it's April. And you're like, still no sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I literally go to like tanning beds so that like I get like 10 minutes of like low level UV light oh, like every week. Maybe that's a life hack. It's a life hack. <laughs> I started doing it last year and also going to saunas like on the regular like has helped so much Like, because you actually get that like deep warm feeling yeah. that like, like you Vabali don't really get. Do I, I do it at home's place. Like I have urban sports. So like I, I just like I go and like lift weights and like do that. Oh, uh, lift weights. Nice. Um, we are now come to the part of the podcast where if you're a Patreon, you'll get to listen to the extra material where we speak about how to carve your way as a queer, non-binary or female artist in the scene, how one can build their own path and start to get those bookings. If you're interested, go to patreon.com slash playful magazine. I also wanted to go back in time a little bit okay. because we were speaking about your, your uh, uh, events, weirdos. You're mm-hmm. having at least... 
six events coming this year or uh yes i i think so like four four in total at the moment like scheduled at home and uh i'm planning a rave in the summer uh in a bunker it'll be cute oh, fun. <laughs> um keep us posted yes i will do i find that uh i really i i did mostly only uh like parties in, in clubs last year and I do love doing that but I actually really love doing the off location parties because they they really um can be quite special and uh it's like the element of the unknowns that is really exciting also as a promoter and like as an artist uh so um myself and a few other people will be doing that in, oh so fun yeah. but I was also thinking like have it having grown up with a feeling of being uh, living outside or not being accepted, do you think that's also uh, somehow pushing you to um, booking other outsiders? Absolutely. I mean, I run a party series called Weirdos, you know, and uh, it's very much like that. Uh, what, especially at the time um, when I started the parties in 2017, it was. Uh, a lot of like cis male uh, majority lineups and the aesthetics had been like, I don't know, platinum bow and black and white and like this sort of like really dark doomcore vibe. I started to really promote, um, you know, people in my my surroundings, Flinta artists, uh, like POC Flinta artists and um, a lot of queer artists in, around me. And I, those parties were not only parties, but they were also concerts and um, concerts that turned into parties. Or even uh, I started a uh, a series called Queerdos, which uh, was uh, at the time in Monarch, uh, the small venue, uh, that I was working at at the time doing booking. And, um, it was a spoken word event with performance art and, uh, it was in totally new format. Like I was really trying to imagine like a new format for events and that people can go to them and like have like the experience of maybe going to like, uh, a, a small gallery or whatever, where somebody's like, doing performance art, like whatever, like spoken word. And I did that with my friend Kathleen at the time. And those events had been incredible. Like it was so many people that would have like, uh, like poetry and like spoken word that were like sort of reflecting on their like experiences of being queer and their like traumas and the struggle of being othered, uh, and, and alienated in society. And I felt like in those moments, um, along with moments in my parties and whatnot, where like, I, I felt deeply moved by those because it was really, uh, also like selfishly, like a way that I was able to like really, um, feel, uh, less alienated. And, um, I, I felt like I could relate to a lot of pe peers around me. And that was amazing. Yeah. I, I would cry quite a lot in these events, you know, I'm a cancer, so <laughs> I cry a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's healing to cry. Um, do you feel that the booking systems, have changed since 2017 generally speaking um generally speaking yes i think i think definitely you can see uh uh this uh more like platforming like flinta artists and like there's more uh, inclusivity i think inclusivity is um is not necessarily fully there but it is actually much better than back then and i think that mm. um like parties like mine uh like we like i've 
platformed artists uh, in the city that have become like new stars. And uh, it was one of those like hubs that, you know, like really like incubated, like uh, an, an, a zone that people can um, look to and say like, OK, um, where can we like who who should we book for this the these other spaces and i think that um i think that myself and a few other promoters at the time had been especially in the city like uh pushing uh this agenda of like uh like flinta like queer artists and um really fighting for that that zone in the clubs um and i think that uh in general in berlin like i remember it was much harder to especially like when you have haven't really done so many events um a lot of clubs just like won't really respond to your emails they won't really give you the time of day um so i think that like there are actually quite a lot of clubs now in the city that are very open and like will uh take risks and like try out new new series new events and there's way more possibilities now and i think that that's really amazing and i think it's moving in the right direction nice to hear yeah yeah with the feeling different or being like watched or like judged it's also like a part of that is also uh like dealing with a lot of beauty standards which is something i know you have posted on, on yeah. your instagram how like what kind of struggles have you come across regarding that um that's a good question like i I at the time when I had posted that I um you know over over the last couple of years like I started promoting myself more as a professional professional artist and really like um having that um pressure of like posting uh constantly images and also being constantly photographed um on social media and you know sometimes like especially like in this times time frame and every now and then like I do definitely um I definitely have days where I actually don't feel like like being photographed. Like I don't want I don't want pictures of me and I um I have days where like I'm not happy with my body or like I'm not happy with like my eating disorder at the time and I'm like feeling um a bit disconnected and so in those moments especially like and maybe even having like uh something that i need to take a photo for or like um or like just being on stage and being photographed and like just feeling quite bad about it um that definitely can weigh on on one's uh feelings about one's appearance and i think that that's how um how I felt and also like with just like so much on social media like this constant influx of information like um where like I I feel like I don't really want to play the game of like using face filters and like just like sort of like editing my photos to make myself look uh like different from actually how I look and I, I've had to really make my peace with that um and I also don't want to like sort of promote that on, on, as an artist so um, I made that statement and I also feel like because I said that, like, I felt like I owned that feeling also, like it felt really good to like, just put it out there. And I, I do actually feel a lot better now. Like I feel way more comfortable and confident, um, in that regard. Hmm. Do you also feel, I, I somehow have felt that I know that there is definitely no hiding from 
looks to matter and these things even in Berlin or the techno scene yeah yet I feel what what you said about being able to to just undress completely and feeling accepted for who you are in Panorama Bar yeah you know there's something that is still like making us being more or like making me be more unaware about how I look here yeah. because I'm I guess I'm I don't feel so I don't feel either people care so much if you look nice or not nice you know Actually, it's true in berlin it's amazing like i remember being in the uk and like people would like put on like full makeup for like the supermarket you know and i'm like because it is like very like cis like like male female like they go out in like different groups and like you know it's very like heteronormative there and like i think that like in berlin we don't have any like massive society pressures to like look a certain way or like be a certain way on the streets and also like low-key like the streets of Neukölln like I mean it is like <laughs> it is like literally liberating to just be like the not so freaky person on the street no matter how you look yeah. uh which is amazing you're like actually I'm fine like somebody's out crazying me here like it's amazing <laughs> and also like I feel that at some parties when you enter the first thing people say is like oh what are you wearing or like that's nice you know yeah and I mean, you can say it to your close friends or whatever sometimes here, but I've never been to a party no. where people are like, what are you wearing? Yeah. Oh, like, I haven't like once. Yeah, I yeah. Have, was having a fa um, fa some face mask one time in Bergen and I think like five people approached me about the mask, but that's the only thing. And it was Absolutely. because... It was oh, not because it was, they were like, where is it from? Who created it? It was not like this, you know? Right. It was no judgy in it. It was not like... Oh, you're looking extra nice today. It's not, it's the feeling of that you also, sometimes people say these things in a way that you feel a little bit ashamed that you do look nice. Uh-huh. Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. You know, yeah. it can mm -hmm. be a little bit like, oh, you look very nice today. What's the occasion? This right. kind of, never, right. like, for me, that was a long time ago, I was approached in this way. Yeah. And if I'm not caring really what I put on I'm still welcome in the club you know yeah. I can be like put on my bathing suit and just go and like it's from it's the shower yeah exactly. exactly I mean that's what I really love about Berlin is that also like yeah like the dance floors like the the uniform in most of the clubs is like put on your trainers and like your uh jogging pants and like go or like nothing at all you know like or just like run around the club with your your underwear and it's a vibe mm -hmm. and then if you really want to step it up like then you can uh, uh, dress uh, for the occasion and you can be as fabulous as you want or you can be as casual as you want you can treat it like a workout or you can treat it like a, a fun cocktail party like on the corner of a bar no one's gonna and be like why did you dress up exactly like, like everyone's fun. like you're in this mood okay I see you totally and I think that like in, in terms of like uh, something that is like not necessarily uh, looked at as like amazing is like okay like people in their like stiletto heels that look extremely uncomfortable like not necessarily the people that will stay at the party for like longer than like a few hours. So you really don't see a lot of that. And so there's never any of this like pressure to like really like, I don't know, dress in a certain way. Like it's so it's so free to do like whatever, whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I also don't believe in uh, the all black uh, mentality of, uh, you know, you have to dress in all black to like it, it, go into the clubs. It's not like that. It's. 
everyone just needs to be original in their in their decisions and you know uh then everything be is you. fine yeah be you exactly yeah. yeah um what what do you feel like speaking of this side uh, like we also spoke about booking and the the scene in general not being so aware about looks and all these things but what do you think is something that the scene is struggling with at this time the scene the scene i think uh especially like for like future times like i think uh is like actually like the growing like rise of the alt right like i think that that's like one of the biggest threats like to nightlife like liberal dance music scene and dance music culture and like queer culture um like all over europe and all over like the western world like we have like a rise of like extreme right wingers i mean we just saw Kanye being allowed to like spew his like neo-Nazi agenda like live on air and like this is a public figure you know and this is this was allowed to stream and it was and in the rise of anti-semitism is terrifying and like all over like in Poland and Hungary like anti-queer sentiments have been uh, very hard harshly expressed and I think politically this is really the uh the biggest threat to our scene mm. um and i i'm it's getting closer like it, you, yes. you can sense that if it's acceptable to 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 give a platform to whomever is famous no matter what opinions they have mm-hmm. even, right it, yeah 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 it's that's scary yeah, absolutely. And that's something with social media too. It's like the, the the national TV. I think they're also affected about what people want to see, and they're like, well, they anyway they have a platform, but yeah. you know, if they allow these people to go on their brand or you know the yeah. national TV, then it's like there's no difference. Then it's just it's just that you can you are allowed to have whatever opinion you want. As long as you're famous and people want to watch, see it. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, like whatever like keeps people watching like, yeah. on these platforms. It was, yeah, deeply troubling. And I think that um, with that on the rise, like with these sort of like mindsets and sentiments, like the rise of also like uh, like more like Christ- like like Christianity and like this like sort of like uh, more conservative way of being is a huge threat for sure yeah and i even noticed like uh, during the COVID times like here in berlin um when we were actually allowed to have parties like parties like uh porn sexual got shamed on in the media uh for um uh having a legal party uh and it was like streamed like on uh on like uh, German uh, newspapers that like they were uh, doing something um, devious and something that was not uh, legal, even though they were operating within legal legal times. I'm not sure if you remember this. I, was this like two years ago? Exactly in the I summer. It, yeah, because I went to their party there at the beach, whatever it was, and yeah. they, there was something going on that it was like maybe we're not allowed to do this, and you know you you didn't know if if it was gonna happen or not because there were so many people fighting against the right. party to take place. So it was yeah. like, let's see if it's still on. <laughs> like you know, I think I think so for crazy. it was the sad thing about this situation was that like how like the German media like really portrayed the event happening, and it really like like put an emphasis saying like, you know, nightlife like is responsible for like the spread of coronavirus and also like using images of like people in like bondage and whatever, like uh, Mm. to then just like shame uh, nightlife uh, people and like our culture. And I think that for me was really unsettling because um, 
uh, for a long time, I really thought like that, uh, you, you know, existing in the country of Germany and uh, being in Berlin, like also like uh, allowed uh, like so much freedoms and like so much uh, acceptance. And actually that is a bubble. And um, that that kind of shattered that reality somehow for me. Um, and that actually like it's still like pretty um, subversive that what we were what we're doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's either this or it's that. This is this or that. Okay, this or that questions. Okay, cute. Yeah. Let's see. Getting to know the superficial sides. Okay, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay. Housewives of Beverly Hills or Star Wars? Uh Star Wars. <laughs> How come I knew that? Like I have a feeling about I have a feeling about yeah. Are you into Star Wars? I, I kind of am into Star Wars, <laughs> but like yeah, from a young age. Like I'm not really into um uh reality TV, you know. Yeah. But you like uh, sci-fi and Yes, uh, yeah. I really yeah, it's my favorite genre. Do you like Harry Potter also? Uh, I wish like JK Rowling wasn't like such a huge transphobe because otherwise I would. Yeah. So yeah. you you did like them until how many years ago did was she uh, discover? Maybe like eight, ten years yeah. ago, something like that. And she's just so actively transphobic. It's she, so she horrifying. Also, yeah. She she's transphobic and she's uh also like anti-vax. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's operating in that that zone. They often go together, so. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. This one's so easy. Bros or cats? Cats? You feel like a cat person also, are you? I, I guess. I mean, I, I, I like all animals, like, uh, but cats are cute. I mean, I was in Turkey and I was just like, oh my God, like just like freaking <laughs> out the whole time. <laughs> Ramen or fries? Uh, fries. <laughs> Night walks by yourself or morning meditation? Night walks. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing that to like cleanse your head? I was going to say, you know, cleanse your mind. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Or I guess so. I mean, morning meditations, like I actually find like walking in the morning is also like really like I usually do a walk in the morning and a walk in the evening because I really need to like interface with people like first thing. Like mm -hmm. I go and get my coffee and then I can like do whatever like in the day. As long as I've like met that one person, then I like go home and You've can do something. exactly. Yeah. And I can like do all my work and like feel like I've had that social interaction. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, rooftop bar or smoky knife? Smoky knife. <laughs> Tarot cards or crystals? Uh, ooh, that's a hard one. Crystals? Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I... I tried to get myself some tarot cards. And somebody told me that, you know, you cannot buy yourself tarot cards. So somebody has to give them to you. So I thought to myself, well, why don't I just like order them off the internet and then the post guy is going to give me the tarot cards. Actually, after this, maybe you will get some somehow. I, I really hope so because I've been trying <laughs> and I'm like, nobody's given. And so like then they never like both times like that I ordered them off the internet, like they've never shown up. So it was like a sign. It was like a sign. I was like, this this scheme like isn't like working, you know, That's like uh, so they haven't come. So I'm, you know, left to my crystals in the. Uh, All right. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> One best friend or 10 semi good friends? Ooh, that's also hard. Um, One best friend. Yeah. Country or jazz? Jazz. Yeah, I kind of figured. Yeah. Jazz is so nice. Are there any good jazz bars in Berlin? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, 
I actually haven't, I haven't seen many. I know there's some jazz nights like happening like at Loophole and like a few other places like in, in Berlin, but I haven't really been to any. Yeah. I know Estela Buersma is also a very big fan of jazz music. Okay. Okay. Cigarettes or weed? Cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Front row or behind the booth? Um, behind the booth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, you're, uh, because it feels. Uh, what's the feel? What differs it like? Um. Well, what do you mean actually? Like, like because if you're front row, you're amongst all the ravers, uh-huh. and behind the booth, maybe you feel a little bit more safe, or you can breathe easier. Ah, or like, okay. Yeah. Know. Oh, you mean in terms of just going out? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like to play or not to play. Uh, no. Yeah. Um. Well, no, actually, then front row because yeah. then, uh, you know, you have the best perspective on the DJ, and you get to, uh, rave with all the fabulous dancers that are also. I was thinking that you were. Front row yeah, right totally. There. No, behind the booth, I don't really like this like two class society that can exist in nightlife. Uh, it can be like very dividing, and I think better to leave the DJ alone in the in the booth. And uh, and uh, also, like, I'm not really a huge fan of backstages either. So, so like, definitely front row of dancing with the ravers. Yeah. What's up with backstages? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's really nice to just have like a very um, one society sort of nightlife situation where like, you know, people are not like going into like, you know, a big group of people like sitting in the backstage and having this like sort of backstage culture of just like, you know, having that and not really being on the party. I like everyone on the party, you know. Yeah, I Boom, mean with that we put a dot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you so much. This was lovely. Yes, it was excellent. Thank you so much for having me. This was it for Playful Podcast this week. But please follow, subscribe and listen to our next episode. And if you want to have a say about future artists or even ask your own question to one of our guests, follow us on Instagram and make sure to add your question when we lift our coming guests. Thank you so much for joining and see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 